0: Thank you for tuning in to this sermon from New Life Student Ministries. Our goal is to inspire, equip, and support our students and families with biblically rich and God-centered teaching. These messages are meant to be supplemental and not substitutional for our weekly gathering. We hope this sermon is a blessing to you and your spiritual walk. All right, all right, all right. Student Ministries, how are we doing tonight? Man, thank you for that. Wow, didn't know I looked that good. Man, um, I have absolutely missed you. Uh, three weeks is a really long time to be away. Um, my wife and I—I'll just go ahead and like you know say it from the pulpit. You don't need to freak out or anything. We went on quarantine like three weeks ago. Neither of us were sick. Anything along those lines. We were just like kind of near somebody who was. So they said go home for two weeks and it was so boring, so boring. Um, but man, two weeks ago we, we, uh, we live streamed in to first Wednesday and man, it was so cool. Um, so difficult and yet so cool to watch. So many of you get baptized, like what? a beautiful thing. Uh, And then last week, uh, Pastor Chase, uh, he got to to rock Romans 5. I'm very grateful for him and Miss Catherine. Uh, They carried carried the load last week while Pastor Victor and I was out. Um, And now all four of us are here tonight, and I'm excited to be with you. So, uh, that being said, if you have your Bible, Romans chapter 6 is where we're gonna be this evening. I want you to open up there. I am really pumped to talk to you tonight about Romans 6. I wanna talk to you about fighting sin. Everyone say fighting sin. Fighting sin. Fighting sin, oh yeah. Now before you start kind of going, okay, is this gonna be one of those like try harder, those sorts of thing messages, it's not that. But if you have been coming for at least the past five or six weeks, you know that we've been walking through the book of Romans. The book of Romans was uh, written by the Apostle Paul. This is actually one of the later letters that he wrote. He wrote it at the end of his third missionary journey. And we have, we have a theme that he's going after here, righteousness through faith. Everyone say righteousness through faith. Righteousness through faith. Now this is kind of a, a, a counterintuitive concept to what we think and, and what we like to, to perceive salvation, righteousness, holiness to be. And here's why, because we like to earn. We like to work hard. We like to see the fruits of our labor. And so we have Paul coming in this letter to the church in Rome, and he starts out with saying, look, I I have a message. I have a gospel that I'm not ashamed of. And it's a gospel that makes plain that all human beings are sinful people. Sinful people, what he's saying here is this, if you're in the room tonight and you think that you are all that in a bag of chips, the gospel's gonna make no sense to you. And in fact, there's going to be no need for the gospel for you if you think that you have your life put together. If you think you're doing it well, if you think that you know what, the person that you are, the moral compass that you have, it's enough, it'll take care of you, Paul's going, no, you've missed it. All of humanity has fallen short. Everyone say fallen short. short. And so the last five weeks, we've talked about getting to know your sin. Everyone say sin. Man, it's a tough topic to tackle. And essentially what I'm saying here so that you don't get confused, when I say get to know your sin, I'm saying get to know your brokenness. Get to realize that in fact you have frailty, that you fall short. That as Paul says in Romans one, you have replaced worship of the creator for creation. And what that might be worship of yourself, it might be worship of stuff, it might be worship of people, whatever. But we've fallen short and we're in need of a savior. And so he talks about how justification comes by faith. In other words, it's a gift, everyone a gift. gift. Christmas is coming up. We like to receive gifts. Gifts are fun. But the problem is we don't like receiving gifts, in essence, without realizing that there aren't any strings attached. And so Paul's getting after, wait, if, if you're going to have relationship with the God of the universe, you're going to have to be justified, not by what you do, but by what a man Jesus did. And so he talks about getting to know your sin and our relationship being made right with God. And tonight in Romans 6, we have a really special gift. He's talking to us about fighting sin. So Romans 6, 1 through 14, this is where we're going to be. Before we read, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we love you, and we welcome your presence here tonight. Oh, Lord, that you would give us eyes to see you this evening to behold your glory, your goodness, your grace. Father, I pray that as we um, open your word and we speak it, we read it, we hear it, Lord, that it would do something afresh in us tonight. Lord, I pray that your gospel would go forth here tonight and I pray that it would in fact be good news for those who have ears to hear. So I ask that you would give us all ears to hear. Would you give us eyes to see? Would you give us minds to understand? Would you give us hearts to believe? Father, I pray that you would guard the listener from wherever I might be in error tonight. Lord, and that your word, your truth would go forth and it would prevail. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you show us how to fight sin? This evening, and if you are with me, can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Romans 6, verse 1, the Apostle Paul says this What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we, who died to sin, still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, listen here, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, We shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we should no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Listen to this, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And your members to God as instruments for righteousness, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord to which all God's people said. Thanks be to God. So what we have here is Paul addressing something that he said back in Romans 5. He's talked about, okay, this is how you are justified. And justification is just a fancy word for saying your relationship has been made right with God. Your relationship has been set right with God through the person of Jesus Christ. And he goes, look, you're gonna receive this relationship made right not by your works, not by your, your religious duties, not by your, your accolades, not by your talent, not by your performance, but by faith in Christ Jesus alone, period. That's how relationship is made right with God. And so he goes, okay, if that's the case, I need you to see something. Romans 5, verse 20 says, look, where sin, uh, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. And so he gives this picture look, wherever you saw sin growing, you saw grace even greater in the gospel. And so when we get to chapter six, Paul is already confronting the cynic and the logical conclusion that we as humans would go to when we hear something like that. We've all kind of heard it and we all kind of twist it. We start talking about this idea of grace that, look, It's not by what you do that you're saved, it's by grace through faith. And so the natural conclusion that many of us can come to is, well, if I'm saved by grace, then what's the point in living a moral life, right? What's the point in honoring your father and mother? What's the point at not looking at things that you know you shouldn't be looking at? What's the point at reining in your tongue? What's the point of checking your heart, what's the point of it? If you're saved by grace, we shouldn't have to worry about it anymore, right? And so Paul, knowing that this is where our mind will go, some of us kinda say it like this, grace kinda seems like a license to sin, right? Like grace kinda gives us this this get out of hell free card. Grace kinda gives us this reality to just take a deep breath, to take a deep breath, you know, and chill. And Paul starts Romans 6 by saying, So should we continue in sin that that grace may abound? By no means. By no means. And there's something that I want you to see that he's getting after here. Paul is wanting us to realize that Christ has not just taken care of the penalty of sin, but he has taken care of the power of sin in your life as well. Are you with me? Christ is not just taking care of the penalty. He's not just made your relationship right with Jesus. And this is important. And hear me, it must precede what has to follow. Christ has not just made your relationship right before God. He has also broken the power of sin in your life. Meaning this, if you are a Christian, a genuine Christian, and you put your faith in Jesus Christ, what the gospel is saying is you no longer have to live the way that the world lives. You no longer have to walk the way that the world walks. You no longer have to be enslaved to sin the way that the world is enslaved to sin. He did not just take care of the penalty of sin. He took care of the power of sin. And there are three things that he does here for the believer, and I wanna be clear with this, for the believer on how we tackle our sin. Because what I want you to see here is what Paul is not saying is that once you give your life to Jesus, once you submit your will to God, once you put your faith in the Lord, you no longer struggle with sin. That's not what he's saying. All of us who follow Jesus know that that ain't the truth, right? Every day we wake up, every day we struggle, every day we're faced with this choice. Am I going to listen to Jesus or am I going to embrace a life of sin? And what Paul is showing us here is that God did not just make a way for you to have life in him at the end of all things. He's made a way for you now to embrace life without sin. Are you following me? Three strategies that I wanna go after that I think Paul is is giving us here for how to fight sin. For how to go toe to toe with your sin. And here's the thing, every person in here struggles with something. Every person in here struggles with a lot of things. And it's, it's hard, it's hard to admit that we're fragile, it's hard to admit that we are weak, it's hard to admit that we're broken, but this is why Paul at the beginning of Romans says, get to know your sin, get to know your brokenness. And if you can get to know it, if you can get to see it, if you can realize that it's in your life, I'll show you how to beat it. Strategy number one, Know who you are in Christ. I want you to look here, verse two. Paul's asking a rhetorical question here. He says, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized, who have been buried into Christ Jesus were buried into his death. This is what baptism means. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too, we being believers, might walk in newness of life. I want you to hear me. Your wrestle with sin will always start with a wrestle with your identity. Your wrestle with sin will always start with a wrestle with your identity and so the question that Paul is posing here is he's saying look don't you know that when you give your life to Jesus you not only died with him but you were raised with him in other words you are one with him so the premise of the gospel must be this if that is true If you give your life to Jesus and you die with him and you are raised with him, then what is true of Jesus must also now be true of you. Are you with me tonight? So this is what it means. If you are in Christ, if you are in Christ, God does not see you as broken anymore. If you are in Christ, God no longer sees you as sinful If you are in Christ, God no longer sees you as imperfect. If you are in Christ, God no longer sees you as weak, evil, rebellious, guilty. Are you with me? If you are in Christ, God's thoughts towards you must be his same thoughts towards Jesus Christ. One of the first questions I'll ask somebody when I meet with a young man, when I meet with a young woman and they say, I'm wrestling with this. I can't get free of this. I'll ask them this very simple question. What do you think God thinks about you? What do you think God thinks about you? As we sit here and as you wrestle with your sin, the sin that you brought with you in here tonight, what do you think God thinks about you? And I'm willing to to admit that the first thing that the enemy is going to attack. The first thing that the enemy goes after is your identity. He's gonna sit here and say, you're broken, you're fragile. This is a really common one. You're unworthy of being loved. You're tainted, you're pathetic, you're weak. And once I hear these answers, I will look at them and I say, okay, I want you to answer me this question. What do you think God thinks about Jesus Christ? And it's really easy to answer this question, isn't it? Because he's the son of God. He's perfect, he's holy, he's blameless, he's strong, full of hope, full of life. He's defeated death, hell, and the grave. And I'll sit there and I'll look, I'm going to say, don't you realize that the very essence of the gospel means that that's what God thinks about you. If you've given your life to Jesus, then your identity has now become that of Jesus Christ. This is why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has Come, know who you are in Christ. Every time the enemy comes at you with a false identity, with saying you are not, you are not strong, you are weak, you are pathetic, you are broken, you can't get healing, you can't get strong, you can't. You can say no, 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 no. That's not what my God thinks about me. And if you are going to spend your time using your brain to think about anything, quit thinking about what you think about yourself, and meditate on what God thinks about you. Are you with me tonight? Point number two is know Christ in you. Know who Christ is in you. I want you to see this. Verse eight, now if if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. If you have a Bible, I want you to underline this statement. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Did you hear what Paul just said? Death no longer has dominion over Christ. In Galatians 2.20, one of the first letters Paul writes, he says it like this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. This is what this means that your sin, your temptation, anything that the enemy wants inside you to separate you from the God of the universe is not answering to you, it's answering to Christ in you. Are you with me tonight? I heard this story one time of a guy, he he lives in England, his name's uh, Pete Craig, and he he told the story of this this gerbil he had. This is a really weird story. (laughs) This gerbil that he had, and he said this gerbil was like this fearless, weird thing. Fearless, weird thing, and it would have these moments where they'd put it like in one of those balls, you know, and it'd start kind of rolling around, and then it would get out and they'd let it play around. And they also had a dog, average-sized dog, about this big. And the dog would go, and it would see the gerbil, and he said it would be the funniest thing ever. This gerbil would get out of its cage, and it would walk up to the dog, and the dog would begin to lose its ever-loving mind. Lose its ever-loving mind. And so what happened is the gerbil would kind of tease in. You you kind of know these movies from, like, YouTube stuff. You know, the dog kind of, like, freaks out, does its thing. But the second, like, the gerbil would kind of, like, take this, like, attack, it would, like, rear its head and stand up. This dog, this dog that is 15 times the size of this gerbil would fall on its back and put its leg up and submit. Like it makes no, no logical sense. You got it like it's this big. And this dog would look at it, play around with the second it rear of its head, this dog would fall on its back and submit. And this is hysterical, but I need you to hear me. Most of the time, this is what we do to the enemy. We have Christ in us, Christ living in us, the same Christ who death no longer has any dominion over, that Christ living in you. It's that Christ that your sin answers to. It's that Christ that your temptation answers to. It's that Christ that the enemy answers to. And yet, every time our sin rears its ugly head, we don't know who our God is, and you know what we do? We get on our backs and submit. We listen to it. And so all of a sudden, because we don't know who our God is, we don't see him for who he truly is, we let sin prevail in our lives. You want to know why David did not hesitate to go beat the living tar out of Goliath? It wasn't because he had biceps and six-packs, and it's not because he was extremely talented, and it's not because he had all the size, and it's not because he had all the talent. You want to know why he did not hesitate to hustle to beat the living tar out of a giant? It's because he knew who his God was. He knew that he didn't need to get on his back and submit because his God is You want to know why Joshua and Caleb believed with all their heart, mind, and soul that they could take the promised land despite the fact that when they went and scouted out the land, they saw that it was filled with the Canaanites and the Amorites and the Amalekites, and they saw that they were giants in the land, far superior to Israel, far bigger than anything that God had in his people. But you want to know why they came back to Moses and the 12 tribes of Israel and said, this land is ours. It ain't going to be nothing but a thing. We can take. you want to know why because they knew who their god was there's something to be said brothers and sisters about a man or a woman who knows who their god is and if you can get to know who your god is all of a sudden you don't grow in pride you grow in confidence Let me just tell you who this God is. He is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the bread of life. He is the living water. He is the one worthy to open the scroll in Revelation 5. He is the one who death has no more sting. He is the one who has conquered death, hell, and the grave. And his name is Jesus. And hear me, his presence lives in you. It lives in you. And so often we as believers, we walk throughout this life and we are afraid of our own brokenness. We're afraid of the sin that still exists in our lives. We're afraid of the struggles that are in our lives. You know why we're afraid? Because we think that that sin needs to answer to us. It doesn't. It answers to Jesus. It answers to Jesus. Get to know Christ in you. Quit being one who has been made in the image of God who gets on their knee or gets on their back and submits every time the enemy rears his ugly head. Know who your God is. Know who your God is. In other words, you can't just know who you are. You gotta know whose you are. What Paul is getting at in these first two points is union with Christ. What is true of Jesus becomes true of the people who put their faith and trust in him. So it doesn't matter how deep your sin is. It doesn't matter how much it riddles you with guilt. It doesn't matter. I promise you, it does not have more power than the cross of Jesus Christ in your life. Are you with me tonight? Know who you are in Christ. Know who Christ is in you. And number three, this is when it gets really really real. I want you to say no to sin by saying yes to Jesus. I'm gonna explain this here in a second. Verse 12, Paul says this, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law but under grace. Okay, this here is the moment where the rubber meets the road. Here's the moment where the rubber meets the road. Now, here's the thing. In every other religion in the world that believes in some form of moral compass, I need you to hear me, this is about where they would start with you when it comes to battling your brokenness. They'll start with, hey, this is about your willpower. If you're wrestling with pornography in here, this is about your willpower to say no. If you're wrestling with any form of substance addiction in here, this is about your ability to just say no. If you're wrestling with your body image in here and the way you look and you hate what you see in the mirror, it's about you doing everything you can to see yourself as beautiful. If you're wrestling with an eating disorder in here, whether it be something where you can't keep food down, whether it be something where you're eating too much, it's all about how can you measure and take care of your own life. This is where every other religion's going to start. but This is why Paul starts with, if you know who you are in Christ... And if you know who Christ is in you, then you have everything you need to embrace the life that God has for you. Everything you need to embrace the life God has for you. This is why James says in James 4, 7, submit yourself therefore to God, resist resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You will be faced every day for the rest of your life, hear me brothers and sisters, with a decision. I wanna go ahead and invite the band out if they're ready to go. You're gonna be faced every day for the rest of your life with a decision. You are either going to embrace sin or you're going to embrace the life that God has for you in Jesus Christ. I'm not gonna pull any punches with you here this evening. I'm gonna be brutally honest. To follow Jesus, is no walk in the park. And I need you to hear me. If you've missed everything that I've said tonight, I need you to hear me right now. Following Jesus is not going to be a walk in the park. I need you to hear me. Following Jesus is going to cost you popularity. Following Jesus is going to cost you fun following Jesus is going to cost you the world's perception of the way you want them to see you following Jesus hear me is gonna cost you friends sometimes following Jesus is going to cost you money sometimes not that you got to pay for anything but realize that none of it's yours. Following Jesus is going to cost you energy, time, sacrifice of different areas of your life. Hear me, there's no walk in the park. This is why he says in Mark 8, Mark eight thirty four, if anyone would come after me, this is Jesus talking, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Listen to these words. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. For what does it profit a man or a woman to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? You're going to have to deny are going to tell you, your world is going to tell you, hey, this is what someone your age should be doing right now. The world is going to tell you, you know what? It's a normal thing to be on social media five hours a day. Listen to me, for some of you, following Jesus means you need to give up social media completely. For some of you, you might see the world and they say, you know what, Like, like video games is a fun thing. And it can be a fun thing, but for some of you, man, it's a complete idol, and I need you to hear me. Following Jesus might mean tonight you need to give up video games completely. Man, some of you are in some toxic friendships right now. And if you're being honest, you're trying to approach it with the idea of, you know what, like a missionary friendship doing this thing where I'll avenge them, win them over to Jesus, when you realize when you look at your life, everything about your life does not look like Jesus because you have let their habits, their lifestyles affect your life. Hear me, following Jesus means you might have to take a step back. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. It's going to be a commission from God saying that you know what? To follow Jesus means that if one day you're going to get married, that you're gonna commit to covenant with one person and be in covenant with that one person and say I do to that one person and simultaneously say I don't to everybody else. For some of you, it's going to mean commissioning on the other side of the planet to a third world country, to people who have nothing and for you to live a life spent on on sacrificing all that you have for those to hear the gospel. For some of you, it's going to mean going to school to be teachers and making diddly squats your whole life for the sake of little children being able to see a teacher who knows how to teach two plus two and love Jesus at the same time. It's going to cost you your life. It's going to cost you. But this is what I need you to hear me say tonight. Because I know, because I'm one of you, that every day sin comes knocking on our door. I know that many of you in this room tonight have been beat down to the ground and even five feet under because you cannot get rid of whatever's going on in your life. Yes, you some form of addiction, some form of wrestle, some form of mental struggle, some form of relationship that you've got going on with your parents, and you don't know what you can do, and I need you to, I need you to hear me tonight. This so is what I'm asking you to do as your pastor. This is the Christian walk. It's not. Figure it out. It's not. Hear me. Keep getting up. Keep getting up. You wake up tomorrow. You fall short. Keep getting up. Keep fighting. Keep looking at who you are in Christ. Keep savoring. Christ is in you. Keep doing everything you can to not just say no to sin, but embrace Jesus Christ. Do everything you can to get to know who it is that lives inside you. Do everything you can to see, cherish and savor Jesus Christ as your all in all and every day for the next 70 years for the next 50 years, for the, for the very few of you who are going to go the next 90 years the next 100 years, whatever it's going to be I need you to hear me. These temptations, this sin is not just going to walk away you're going to have to fight every day, that's what it means to be a Christian, not that you got your life figured out, not that you look all sunshine and rainbows, not that you look perfect but that you know that Christ is and because he is, and because he's good and because you know who you are in Christ and because you know who Christ is in you you keep getting up you keep fighting you keep pressing on, you keep striving towards who God has made you to be Jesus Christ don't let your sin discourage you let Christ give you hope are you with me tonight stand Christ is our righteousness brothers and sisters he is our righteousness we don't go into our battle with sin with all of our hope in our own strength that's pathetic, no, we go into our battle with sin looking at Jesus, looking at Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So what I want to do tonight, hear me, is not, is not to condemn you, It's to invite you to do what I have to do every day, sometimes 50 times a day. I'm gonna invite you to get up get up spiritually right now. I'm gonna invite you to confess your sin to the Lord right now. I'm gonna invite you to say, you know what? Tonight, tonight, you're gonna, gonna see I'm gonna keep fighting. I'm gonna keep my eyes fixed on Jesus and keep running the race that he has set before me. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to bow your head. I want you to bow your head. And this is what we're gonna do. Instead of corporately saying this prayer, I'm gonna say it for you. And I just want to, wanted to give you life. If you believe it, if you follow Jesus, this means something to you. If you don't follow Jesus, the invitation is here and now. My heads bowed, I want you to listen to these words. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what I have done and by what I have left undone, I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbor as myself. I am truly sorry and I humbly repent. Hear these words. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Thanks again for listening to this message from New Life Student Ministries. If you want to keep up with what's happening with us, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at NL Student Ministries.